This show comes to you from the Art of Change Skills for Life. Visit www.artofchange.com to explore how you might grow your communication and leadership skills through workshops, coaching, and more. Plus, you get to work with me. Today on the Change Podcast, I am not alone. I am joined by my husband and super fan of the holiday of Halloween, Eric Nepom. Hello. Um, honey, what's something that you want the listeners of the Change Podcast to know about you? Gosh, I love I love Halloween. I think the weather's great, especially out here in Oregon. It's just a little aspect of spooky and dark and rainy and not. Do you like feeling scared? No, I like feeling suspense. If you've got me on the edge of my seat in anticipation, absolutely. How about you? I like candy. (laughs) Um, We are joined by a very special guest. He's an actor with over 18 years of experience performing and teaching improvised theater in his home base of Austin, Texas. You know, you can be found uh, throughout all sorts of mediums. Uh, He's got several commercials under his belt. He can be found in the Netflix television series, The Mortified Guide. And he also gives some very impressive ghost tours. In fact, we took his virtual ghost tour uh, Thursday, and we were really impressed. So it's actually why we've invited him here today. Today's guest is Kevin, Kevin Miller. Miller. I'm Aiden Nepom. Oh, and I'm Eric Nepom. And this is a special Halloween edition of The, the Changed, Changed Podcast. Podcast. Miller, thank you for joining us on the Changed Podcast. Thank you for inviting me. So you gave a super sweet virtual ghost tour on Thursday. Thank you for doing that. We were there. I'm glad you were watching. That was awesome. I couldn't quite keep track of like all the people with all the telling the stories, but uh, that was a lot of fun. More than, more than I thought it would be. There was we, like 40 people there. Yeah. And we made I, a, a nice, gorgeous dinner, sat at a oh, table nice. and watched you walk around a chilly Austin. That's great. Um, comfy from our end. <laughs> yeah. And that was pretty consistent, too. There were still like 35 people there at the very end of the tour. It was wild. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was really cool. Well, as somebody who didn't live in Austin, it's one of those things where it's so great to hear a different town's ghost story and know it's totally different. And yet there's still old history and similarities here and there. Right. Fun to catch the you know the similar vibe that they have and yeah it's really neat and it's interesting from one town to the next like I've taken New Orleans's ghost tour and they're so gothic and macabre and uh, you know they're just like <laughs> custom geared to the vibe of that town you know so, <laughs> yeah yeah that yeah. makes sense and Portland's young we don't I mean our ghost stories aren't old ghost stories <laughs> I, <think laughs> I definitely <laughs> took a ghost tour in Seattle I'm trying to like the Seattle underground tour yeah uh-huh. I feel like maybe I took one in Portland hmm I don't remember How long have you been doing those ghost tours? Because uh, to be clear, just so everyone knows, that's not your job. (laughs) (laughs) That does not pay any bills. Um, No, I. your real job does, but. (laughs) Yeah, it was probably 2003, plus or minus one year, uh, because uh, the ghost, the Janine who ran the tours was married to Sean who ran the hideout theater where I did improv. 
and you would literally check in for either seeing an improv show or taking a ghost tour from the same ticket booth. And so one day I just <laughs> chatted her one good ghost story I had heard, and she responded with 10 good ghost stories she had heard. And before you knew it, I was taking the tours and giving the tours. And I liked it just as much as improv, but it also paid some money as opposed to <laughs> nothing. So it was a winner. So for a while, I, I had like a brief break from improv uh, while I was uh, doing ghost tours on the evenings uh, instead. And it was a lot of fun. Halloween would be super, super uh, busy. And I really dug the stories. And every time you tell you give a tour, somebody else comes up and says, you know, the, the story that, that happened to them. It's a lot of fun. That is awesome. It's also a little micro story of like a little micro fork in the road story. You could have easily just kept doing improv on Halloween's and never been a ghost tour guide. And just or, or the other way around. Yeah, you could yeah, have, yeah. You could have just become a no longer performer in any way, shape, or form and just giving full ghost time, tours full-time yeah. ghost guy yeah there's certainly performance elements to it and uh you see different people go different ways like some people are just like doing a constant bit like they're just putting on this goofy over-the-top character the entire time that they're doing the tours and cool if that works for you uh what works for me is to just be me talking in this exact cadence in this exact way uh and winning people over like spooking them out by being like this is just a dude telling me a thing that happened like it, it has a certain <laughs> veracity to it in that way you know where it doesn't sound like i'm trying to win you over with a crazy you know thing in in your experience along those lines mm -hmm. you feel that ghost stories can be told any time of year because of that yeah, I mean, if you're into it, and we all should be, you know, I mean, they would the 50% of our revenue for the year would be within six weeks of, of Halloween. But um, yeah, I mean, I was I was down to clown any time of year. And it's super great because <laughs> ghosts don't care if it's Halloween ghosts will show up any old time. And right. I mean, you get into the, the holiday ghosts. tradition back in the day, the winter time was the mm -hmm. The scary stories you didn't tell the the happy right. Santa stories you told the Dickens stories right? all the, the Dickens stories the ghost that's a good way to put it. Mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. so I'm just oh, yeah. you know it's it's beautiful out it's springtime it's about to be June it's sunny and bright until late at night mm -hmm. do you still want to go well I mean in South Korea I lived there for a couple of years um, scary stories were reserved for summertime because they have a chilling effect. And so they would share scary stories and all the horror <laughs> movies come out in the summertime um, mm -hmm. so that you can consume chilling material nice. to keep you cool, to keep you cool in, <laughs> in the hot months. They're worried about the fan death in Korea. So that's right. you gotta, you gotta find other ways to keep cool. That's right. Oh, that's true. That's the fan death. That's a thing that they are definitely worried about, which um, is literally like this idea that having a ceiling fan, on in your room while you're sleeping that will kill you really yeah yeah it's, oh have you it's not heard that of this simple. it's wild the, it, wow it, and it no. was such a pervasive superstition that like the consumer products board of korea had warnings about it and like fans that you buy in korea will have a timer or an auto yep. switch or something so that you won't fall asleep with a fan running are we talking about all fans? Yeah. Are we so so box fan fan built yeah. in wall yes don't fall asleep with a fan running in your room uh, and I, I get the vibe that like the the latest generation might finally be growing out of it, just oh, from a be. few anecdotal things. But yeah, it's it's one of those just bizarrely constant uh, superstitions. Some of my favorite um, horror and ghost stories 
are from that region. Um, yeah. And I think why I think they are fun and interesting is because there are so many that are plastic surgery related. Mm-hmm. Um, and which is like, you know, beauty is heavily prized culturally. And, sure. um, and there's, at least when I was living there in 2003 and uh, 2004, plastic surgery was like a super common thing that was happening. Uh, people getting their eyelids done and, um, okay. and smiles enhanced. And, and so there was the story of the red mask, red mask, uh, who, it was a plastic surgery accident. She was slashed all the way, you know, from ear to ear to give wow. her a bigger smile by like, I, depending on who tells the story, either a plastic surgery accident or a like devilish surgeon, an evil surgeon. Um, but she was so vain and so terrible and like so concerned with her beauty that like this, this death, she bled to death, was terrible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not even the scary part. The scary part is she might appear to you in a mirror when you're looking in the mirror. <laughs> and and if bloody... she, if she, right, with the bleeding smile, and if she, and like stitched together, whatever, terribly, if she appears to you in the uh-huh. mirror and she asks you if she's beautiful, mm-hmm. If you say yes, she slices you across your face. I would have guessed that would be the right answer. (laughs) If you say no, she cuts your neck. There's it's a no it's a no no... win ghost story. Is this like one of those one of us always tells the truth and the other always lies? Is there like some (laughs) sneaky way you can answer this? I mean, I imagine the sneaky way is to leave. (laughs) (laughs) It's just be like, oh, uh, that's not my face in the mirror. Goodbye. You get to make that decision for yourself. It's 2020. You get to decide if you're beautiful. Don't be don't be judging on other people's choices to make your choice. In no. Uh, what's one of I, your I, favorite ghost stories, Kevin? My favorite is the one that I tell about the Driscoll Hotel, um, about the two women who came to Austin for the big, big stinking comedy festival in '99. And I'll try to compress this a bit. Uh, It's a nice sprawling story. But they saw a woman in the middle of the night walking with a bunch of shopping bags down the hallway of the part of the hotel that was under renovation. And And this is a this is a this is a very uh, old. Yeah, the Driscoll Hotel is like the fancy oldest fancy hotel in. Yeah, you you don't get these spooky stories about the Ramada Inn. It's always the old <laughs> dramatic. Uh, yeah, uh, he had nice run out of cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they uh, so they see this whole the woman with the shopping bags walking down uh, to on the fourth floor, and they were very specific about the fourth floor, the corner room, which turns out to be room four twenty seven. And, you know, they found, they confirmed with the concierge that, no, there's no one staying on this end of the hotel. And so that was, that was all that they told Janine was like, we had this weird experience where we saw a lady with shopping bags on the fourth floor uh, in the middle of the night. And uh, later, it turns out that 10 years prior to that, a woman had come into the Driscoll Hotel, used her ex's credit card to book a room at this nice expensive hotel and had gone on a spending spree with a bunch of stuff and carried the stuff with all the shopping bags back to the room they had checked her into, which was 427, right there on the fourth floor in the corner, uh, and killed herself in that room. And uh, what I love about it is, like, it's spooky, but then you think about it for a second, you're like, wait, those ladies had no idea about that 
history, that story, you know, when they told us that. And, you know, it's that kind of cross-checking aspect of it that freaks me out because it's it's so easy for me to just be like, no, there's no such thing as ghosts. It's silly. Uh, but when I hear something like that, then my superstitious part of my brain gets tickled and I'm like, oh my God. And yeah, it, it excites <laughs> me. I love that stuff. Well, that's a, that brings up uh, the question of, do you believe in ghosts? You kind of have right. hinted that you might or might not. Do you, what is your, uh, what's your theory of what yeah. is happening there? No, I mean, the short story, the short answer is no, you know, I like Mythbusters, I like science, uh, you know, and uh, and all that, and, you know, um, but the long answer is that, I don't know, I've heard stories about, like, a particular place, like, the same story from multiple people who don't know each other and don't know that something is supposed to happen there. I had a good friend who, um, uh, uh, Christy, who uh, would swear up and down that there's no such thing as ghosts, but stuff had always happened to her. Like she had a dozen different <laughs> stories of freaky stuff that had happened to her specifically. And she would always begin and end her story with, but there's no such thing as ghosts, you know? And I, I, I liked that. I liked how the, she just had an antenna for the stuff that she didn't want. So um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not gonna do some theory that goes against all the laws of physics as they understand them. But I also, uh, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with just enjoying the story and speculating, maybe there's people out there, you know? I think the problem with superstition is whenever you use it to influence your decisions in life and you uh. join a cult or something, you know, like, or, or, or when, you're, when your belief in religion leads you to uh, apply your prejudices politically, you know, like that's where it breaks down. But when it comes to just having a superstition about, holy crap, yeah, this makes no logical sense, but it's just kind of fun to, to be on board with, then I, I say thumbs up. And that might reflect my attitude about uh, ghost stories. It's, it's just more fun uh, to, to buy into, like, there's something going on there. So, yeah. What, what are your thoughts on why we put ourselves in this scenario? I mean, we could talk, I mean, as a man of science myself, right, there's the aspect of, great, we, we put ourselves in a scared position because we want to be prepared for us to be scared. So when right. we are truly scared, we are ready to fight or flight or flee. We put ourselves in a position where we can be influenced by you, a storyteller, in the middle of the night, in the location where the scary thing's happening. Right, yeah, enamored so with the charm why? of being scared. So why put us there? I remember watching Paranormal Activity alone in the dark and like have not seen it. And like at the end of the movie, no spoilers, but there's like a moment where you can tell there's a jump scare coming, you know, right at the end of the, uh, the movie. And I remember sitting on the couch and like holding up a pillow in front of my face, like between me and the TV to like block whatever jump scare I knew was coming. And I was like, what am I doing? This like this behavior of mine right now makes no sense that I'm making myself watch this and then stopping myself. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, it's bizarre behavior that we do. And uh, I don't know, and like with roller coasters and whatnot, I think uh, there might be something about the ability to experience danger without being in danger that appeals mm. to us. Like I read a thing about why we why tickling is funny, why we laugh when we're tickled, and it could be that there's something uh, inherent to the uh, the attack that doesn't actually have a threat uh, attached attached to it. Uh, and uh, the laughing is, I forget how the article put it. It was much smarter than I'm sounding right now. But, uh, you know, just the release <laughs> of that innocent attack uh, was something that, that appeals to you. So you, yeah, that's why you laugh that, and that's why you enjoy a spooky movie or spooky story. 
I love that you bring up tickling because um, I took a dive down tickling years ago oh, as yeah. a young college scientist. A dive into scientist. tickling. Uh, because it just That's makes it totally sound like you were chasing, yeah. chasing people around, <laughs> tickling them. Well, I, I, for that reason, I was, you know, what, why is, why do we t- get ticklish? And there's a lot of great studies about how, you know, it's the primal aspect that you have the bug on you and mm-hmm. that your body reacts uh, to feeling the tiny bug on your body that shouldn't be there. And so you brush it away or whatever, uh, which mm-hmm. has a level mm-hmm. of creepiness mm-hmm. to it. So right. what, what's connecting to my brain when you said that was, okay, so we've got the ticklishness, the, the creepy sensation, the hairs in the back of our neck when we get a little in an odd, unfamiliar place. And then there's bugs, which we are bred uh, genetically uh, to have a slight fear of, as far as the look goes. Uh, so, so, right, you got insects and bugs that are traditionally creepy. Mm-hmm. You've got a ticklish factor here, and yet yeah. there's goo- ghosts and ghouls, which are people. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're they're not the creepy thing that we gen- that we naturally just go Ugh, and and. But have it feels, a fear of. but it's the unnatural. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I you think know, there's it, an intrigue with the unnatural, like there's a fascination with things that are um, different from us. That mm-hmm. um, the uh, uh, uncanny valley plays into that, like the idea mm-hmm. that something is us but not quite. And you know, normally it's describing appearance, like creepy CGI characters or whatever. But it could sure. also apply to people that aren't quite people. They're you know they're in the beyond, <laughs> but they still have. Uh, enough, and then maybe this is a Western thing because I know other cultures, you know, you ghosts aren't necessarily just your grandma that you know stuck around in the house. Uh, right. But yeah, in in the Western culture, it's like it, it's people, but they're removed from us through the veil of of whatever. Uh, and yeah, that might contribute to the feeling. So this might be trying to shoehorn one topic into another, but generally speaking, <laughs> what we focus on on this show is the broad right. idea of what does it mean to change, to be changed, mm-hmm. to yeah. inspire changes in others. That's what the focus typically is. Right. And I'm throwing it out there. Is there a relationship? Do you think there's a relationship between either the existence of ghosts, what they go through, right? There are all these stories of people who's, you know, <laughs> like I mean, there's li- no greater their lives, change than dying, right? Their lives are changed forever, and <laughs> that they no longer have a corp- corporal, corporeal, cor- cor- corporeal presence. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, uh... I wonder. It's like it's. Um, is there some like r- reluctance to change to be to go from living to dead that would cause ghosts to stay uh-huh. and be? Yeah, the theory is that they've got unfinished business and whatever. And I've never necessarily bought that. I think like all right, let's just let's just assume ghosts are true for the for the next uh, Oh yeah, episode. for this for the sake yeah. of this conversation. For, I think for we the should sake of this conversation, ghosts are a real thing. Uh and I've always heard you 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 hear stories about unfinished business and they're back for vengeance and whatever. To the extent of the ghost stories I've heard, the plausible sounding ones, the people, you know, the first hand accounts I've heard. It's never had that vibe. It's never had that vibe of like, and then they put me on a mission and I understood that I had to go here and tell their aunts <laughs> that, you know, uh, it doesn't seem to be like that. But that's the stories that appeal to us is that we, we want yeah. to assign a reason to their uh, to their being, a, you know, a story related reason and a character uh, related uh, reason. I always thought the sixth sense adhered closer to how I understood ghosts to be, that they're just people going about their business, 
that don't necessarily even realize that there's anything different, you know, and might become frustrated or whenever people aren't responding to them, you know, and might start yeah. to do little tricks or whatever to, uh, to, to make themselves known and to make the, make those kinds of, of connections. But yeah, when it comes to change or, but also in general, I think whenever it's more interesting to ponder our reaction to them and how we in the living world, you know, the real world, I'm making air quotes, we in the real world uh, respond to them. A theme that came up through a couple of the stories that we heard on Thursday where, um, you know, people turn and they just say something to the ghost and the ghost knocks the bad behavior off. Like um, you told a story of, uh, of a music artist who simply wanted to go to sleep and this ghost was like turning lights on and off if, if we mm. believe ghosts are real. And yep. she essentially was like, look, I need to get some sleep. Okay, thank you. I get yep. whatever's going on here. Fine. But like, yep. I... I need to go to sleep. And then they yeah. knocked the behavior off and she went to sleep. Right. Or Jeanette or the Napolitano was who that was. The lead singer of Concrete Blonde. And yeah, <laughs> she just like, she tried to connect with the ghost and in, in that case worked. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's, that's, I like that notion that it's possible to make a connection with somebody who's on the other side of the, uh, the craziness. And that's another appeal. Nobody wants to die. Nobody wants to, you know, just be gone forever. And if you, even less so if you don't believe in an afterlife. And so the idea right. that there might be something that you might be, you know, on the other side of it, trying to poke through the veil uh, is appealing to people. I have a book uh, called Ghost Hunters by uh, Deborah Bloom. And it's a nonfiction book about this 19th century uh, group of academics who formed a society to investigate and debunk seances and psychics mm -hmm. And, you know, there were just all the rage seances were crazy back at the end of the 19th century. Everybody went to one all the time on a Saturday night and they succeeded like they very easily knocked off, you know, so many of these charlatans and, you know, silly behavior. Like they're just tugging on a string to make the handkerchief move across the table. <laughs> uh, but on multiple, multiple occasions, they ran into psychics that they could not debunk, like that they just ran into a wall and were absolutely unable to, like they just threw all these experiments at them and put them under control, controlled conditions. And that's fascinating to me. And maybe the, the, the people were just that good, or maybe there's something that's there behind the 99% of nonsense, you know, that, that we're exposed to. Um, here's, so normally I also invite people to tell a story, a fork in the road story from their own <laughs> lives, but Kevin, I'm wondering, podcast. this is a special <laughs> Halloween ghost story <laughs> podcast. Um, so I'm wondering, um, Kevin, do you have any personal stories that have caused you to maybe shift your own <laughs> thinking about these uh, unnatural, spiritual. yeah, spiritual, Ooh, unnatural, okay. hard to explain phenomenon? It's hard to pinpoint one because I just would vacillate back and forth so easily between, oh, this is obvious nonsense, you know, just because a minority of these seem very plausible. Well, that doesn't, the fact that 90% of them are so silly uh, means that that's probably, <laughs> you know, the, the case. And so that would be my attitude. And then I would hear some story about some situation or whatever, and I'd be like, well, maybe, is there something happening here? You know, like, is the 90% nonsense reflective of something that, that's small, you know? The story I told that you heard on the tour that I gave, um, 
about the uh, Adelie North, the piano playing girl. The, the, uh, the story itself, I don't necessarily connect with, but just what happened while I was telling it was what really like spooked mm -hmm. me, if that's the word. Uh, it, the North Evans house, which anyone may Google, uh, is a historic home in Austin. Uh, and uh, it was originally called Bellevue and this wealthy family lived there and their daughter, uh, Adelie North, Natalie without the Anna, Adelie North had died uh, at a young age. And after she had died, many spooky occurrences were reported there of footsteps up and down the stairs and so on. And one of the consistent stories that you would hear, you know, third hand from people uh, was the sound of a girl playing the piano, which Adelie was known to be good at the piano. And, uh, and I thought, like, that's fine, but that fell into the category of a typical ghost story I've heard, which is people say that this happens, you know, just <laughs> the, the farther removed it is, the more it's like, yeah, people say a lot of things. People say big words. <laughs> um, uh, and that's how a lot of us feel, I think, you know, with our skeptical brains is, well, hasn't happened to me. So therefore, you know, which is healthy and, <clears throat> excuse me, and, um, the long and the short of the story of Adelaide North is that uh, the building was no longer haunted. Like there was, I had not, I had talked repeatedly to people who worked in the present day at that building and none of them had a story. And they're like, yeah, I've always heard that, but nothing has ever really happened here. And so I would, I would describe the building as a no longer haunted building. And then uh, one night we were uh, finishing the tour, or I think the first time it happened, we were walking away from uh, the house where I, where I had told this story and where I had described the house as no longer haunted. And somebody came up to me as we walked away and they said, hey man, I know, you know, back there with the, with the piano girl, while we were walking up to that house, I heard somebody playing a piano inside that house. And I'm like, you got me. You know, I just didn't like, I had such a skeptical brain, you know, I was just like, all right, cool. You know? And, um, then a couple weeks later, a month later, somebody else came up to me at the end of the tour and they were like, Hey dude, I'm not, I'm not this kind of guy. But when we walked up to that house with the girl who played the piano, before you even said anything, there was definitely somebody playing piano inside the house. And again, I'm like, I, hey, downtown is noisy. You know, there's plenty of, ways so staying very skeptical about it and then it happened a third time and then it happened a fourth time and like each time I, and it chipped away at my skepticism uh but i was i think i was just being resistant because i liked the end of my story i liked having like an adley spirit has moved on and you know wrapped that story in a bow and i liked it that way for the purposes of my tour but yeah this doubt is starting to creep into my uh, into my mind of uh, i guess Double doubt. I'm starting to doubt my doubt about uh, about the story. <laughs> and uh, then finally, one night, I gave a private tour to this group of photographers for their meetup. They were just taking a ghost tour, and it's the exact same as my normal tour, but just photos are being taken all night. And I gathered there, and I told the story of Adelie North at the North Evans house, and we moved on. And the next morning, uh, this guy, uh, one of them, emailed me a picture that he had taken of us standing on that porch and distinctly in the doorway directly behind where i had been standing you can see a girl in the shadow of the door like a human figure very distinct and i i did the photoshop enhance uh and uh you know couldn't detect any copy paste things it's a very eerie sight and if it had been 
any one of these situations, then I would have said, okay, well, there's, there's certainly an explanation for that. Uh, but when you combine all the stories I had heard about the place with the four different instances of people saying that they had heard piano music uh, inside the house, uh, and finally, when I got that picture, I was like, okay, okay, you, you, you know, you win, Adelie. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so it's, it, that's an interesting, you know, I, I'm in constant struggle in that way, as I said, and that, that's a perfect encapsulation of how I never know how credulous to be when it, when it comes to this stuff. And we live in an age where superstition is being used in a very bad way, you know, and unscientific thought is, is not cool right now, especially not cool right now. Uh, so uh, I, I want to preserve my healthy skepticism while also having a, a wondrous feeling of what if, you know, happening. First of all, thank you. I love that story. I mean, there's something that when you said they took a photo and showed me, I knew what you were about to say. And yet even that still, I got a little chill-esque feeling in my body uh-huh. of the, of that, that same, like, is this real? Ugh. And I knew, I yeah. knew the answer. I knew the whole mm-hmm. thing. I've seen mm-hmm. the image. Well, there we go is our fascination with the unknown, you know? And, yeah. and that's, this is a, a, uh, an attitude of, that I've had across many different things is that I love that there are mysteries in the world that we will never know the answer to. I like that, uh, which is ironic because I love the solution of solving a puzzle and uh, or if something <laughs> is really confusing me and you have that click feeling in your brain. You're like, oh, that's where I put my keys. You know, of course, because the, when I was standing there, I, I set the keys down there. Uh, so I like that feeling, but I also contrary wise, enjoy the feeling of like, well, just never know some things and it's okay because it's the mysterious universe we live in and that's part of what makes it great you know so you kind of come to the conclusion that you don't need to know if ghosts are real to enjoy ghost stories it's totally plausible that it's all easily explained with some scientific method we haven't identified yet and 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 it's cool either it could go either way that'd be fine I always encourage, I always in my tours by encouraging people to not just be like skepticism is great, but don't be so skeptical that you miss out on the fun of the story and you miss out on like the fact that the story reminds us of the history behind these buildings and the people that have been here before us. And like, that's the magic of it that anyone can connect to. And so no matter how, you know, arms crossed and, you know, oh, that's not real. Uh, you want to be well you're you're kind of missing out on your come join us in the fun place you know and uh, because there's there's value in that that's you know not that doesn't require you to just be a credulous idiot who believes any ghost story you ever uh, you've ever heard you know so trying to strike that balance i guess that's fair that's fair Mm -hmm. and now i'm moving to a super uh haunted thousand year old city so that'll be a a a whole new world Uh, so you have a huge change. We've talked, we're talking mostly today about ghosts and ghostly mm-hmm. stories because uh, it's the time of year for it and it's super fun. <laughs> but also, Kevin, you are in the midst of, you are literally in the middle of a fork in the road moment in your real life. You're li- yeah. like, this is the beginning chapter of a, of a story right now. Yeah. Will you tell us a little bit about what's happening and your decision making process there? Yeah, I, I met a girl. As, as these stories often begin. Uh, and uh, yeah, my, girl, my girlfriend Kiki uh, lives in Amsterdam and we've been doing long distance for a good long while, longer than any reasonable long distance couple uh, should, should endure. 
but I'm finally making the the big change and moving there. And it's a wild like a year ago, I probably told somebody like, no, there's no way I would ever move there. You know, uh, maybe maybe it's. I guess it was over a year ago that I was just starting to like, all right, we will end up in the same place one way or the other. And then it became evident, no, she is not going to be moving here. You know, thanks, America. Uh, like, that just wasn't <laughs> realistic. And uh, so I just started to slowly open myself up to the possibility of, uh, of moving there. And I've never lived outside of Texas my entire life, let alone outside of the U.S. Uh, so this is a, a, a huge change uh, for me. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm going to be with my girlfriend who's amazing and her cat who's also amazing. Uh, and I'm excited about this just wild. I mean, I'm quitting my job after 18 years. So that's amazing. Yeah. That's a stunning. Are you allowed to tell people where your job, like I've been wanting to say where you work, but I just didn't know what the rules are. Apple is the answer. I've been working at Apple, uh, for 18 years. Uh, and yeah, it's great. I, I've been an Apple fan since I played with the Macintosh when I was 10 years old. And so mm-hmm. it's been a, a, a tremendous gift to my professional life to, uh, for that to be my, my career. And it's been a very golden handcuffs thing. Cause if you get a job at Apple, like, why the hell would you leave? Um, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, and, which was my attitude for a long time. Uh, and, and I started to get a bit of senioritis about it. And I started to realize, that, you know, like not only that, but Apple is a, pretty cool resume you know thing to to hand to somebody uh for future possibilities uh and so yeah just all of that combined with all the reasons uh, that i would want to go to amsterdam and the year 2020 did a bang up job of showing me the door <laughs> like you know you're not even like it's not like i'm going out to improv shows and uh, bars and restaurants and, and and so on so you know there there's a third angle uh, at which it makes sense to, to take this this big leap yeah it's a it's a wild time at the beginning of a recession to, you know and I, i'm just let, let's check my privilege like i'm so lucky so privileged to be able to make a shift like this and not be just worried about my next meal and, and so forth sure uh so so that's cool and it, it, it's been a privileged thing to have a long distance relationship like this in the first place where we can occasionally see each other so i'm very excited it's going to be a, the, the adventure of a lifetime and get to spend time with kiki my girlfriend and um figure out figure out what's next. Yeah, there should be some pretty old ghosts there, I would think. It seems to me that ghost stories, there's no real, like, t- statute of limitations on, go- like, age of ghost or whatever. Like, oh, 300 years is the cutoff. But you also don't get a lot of young ones. I mean, like, we're, here we are, I guess we're in Portland. We're in a younger town for ghost stories. We're not like, well, old Billy over there tried to start a dot com and he died. Well, okay, <laughs> but the story from Big Stinking Comedy Festival, like that ghost was a ten year old eighties. Ten year old ghost, yeah. Eighties yeah. Yeah. ghost. Yeah, because Big Stinkin' was in the nineties. True. But but I will say the crime and the story around the person mm-hmm. was not it could have been any time, right? It's a it's a person, she left her husband, she had grocery bags. She had credit card. Oh, it was yep. a credit card. It's true. It was a credit card uh, shopping uh, spree. Uh, those, uh, those classic Dickens stories and their exactly. credit card. <laughs> I think that was 1989. I think that was not yeah. to the day 10 years before, but I think it was 10 years before um, uh, they, the women had had their crazy experience. So. I, I mean, but I take your point. It's not like you, 
you hear about some accident on the freeway and then like the next day people are hearing voices on the freeway they didn't look both ways when they were texting mm. and they died yeah. and now they haunt that crosswalk and now exactly. anytime you drive past exit 72 your cell signal goes out your cell signal <gasps> maybe that does explain dead yeah. zones dead zone. that uh that reminds me of large margin peewee's big adventure yes <laughs> picked up hitchhikers on the highway i was thinking oh. there's no such thing as highway goes wait there is and it traumatized me as a child yeah so what what is it about leading up to your story right there it's not about the punchline right there's that classic and it was in the, the house what right. is it that's the scary part that leads to the actual fear that we're feeling? Yeah, what what indeed? Like, yeah, you start to, um, like I tell the story about the women at the comedy festival and they saw the woman with the shopping bags and uh, you, you kind of think that story's wrapped up. You're like, oh, and then there was nobody staying there, but they had seen a woman uh, and you're right. like, oh, your brain is like, oh, okay, well, that was a mediocre uh, ghost story. <laughs> and but then I'm like, but what those two women didn't realize is the yeah. following, and then suddenly like, oh, well, oh my god, dog. yeah, exactly. And suddenly, yeah, and like, you know, as improvisers, we're familiar with um, how the human brain just automatically tells a story. If you see a guy, a girl, and a ring, then you're like, oh, I see what's happening here, you know. Same thing. You're like, oh, mm -hmm. they saw a woman with shopping bags and there was nobody staying there. And what they didn't know was this. And they're like, oh, there's a woman with shopping bags who died. Like you could almost like pause the tour and then let somebody else finish it. And they'd probably get pretty close uh, by, by guessing it. Oh, my favorite thing is that you said uh, for that story is you said that you had someone come up to you at the end of a tour where you told that story who was like, I'm staying in that room tonight. Yes, that's right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. One of the all time like the... favorite reactions. Oh, and you never heard from her again. Exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the probably poor girl means everything. Genuinely fine. terrified. Yeah. It was probably. I would be. I would yeah. be terrified terrified i mean there's a hotel in my hometown that has uh several ghost stories associated with it um mm -hmm. and there are rooms where they supposedly don't ever put guests because they are too haunted too haunted <laughs> yeah and there there you go i always like i'm like i don't know as a business would they really you know like i try to because a lot of people tell ghost stories that are super obviously like there's the old man have you ever hold, heard the story about your girl's driving along car behind her keeps flashing mm. their lights yeah. and then Classic. she finds out oh there was a killer in the back seat and they were flashing their lights and the killer would hide again and i'm like none of that story makes sense <laughs> <laughs> but, but can i ask though have uh, you ever gotten in your car and been driving in the, the thing where you're like is there have you ever like looked because i need oh, to be honest if i'm gonna be honest seat? between you three if it's between us three Mm -hmm. I've done it. I've totally been driving and went. Is there something I, in the back seat I, it's, behind it's me? That, well, it's because I think that was like the first really scary story I learned as a kid. Yeah. And I remember mm -hmm. driving and there's been times where I'll drive and I'll go in the mirror and I'll do the look above and I'll do the look behind. I, I, I won't deny. Oh, yeah. There's nothing scarier than the possibility <laughs> of being a future ghost. Right? Like, <laughs> like ghost, encountering a ghost is a scary story, but ultimately it's like, it's just a ghost. But if I'm a, like, if I hear a story of like a woman had somebody 
inject poison into her foot in the parking lot as she's unlocking her car. I'm mm. like, I'm stepping away from my car every time mm-hmm. I unlock it for the next six weeks. Yeah. yeah. No, and, you know, and you're so... right. And, and you're right. And like, Eric, I'll like be driving along and just have a, a notion of somebody being behind oh, me. Yeah. Uh, and it's probably based on that. I, I have a, this might be getting off of like, this is a story I've heard, but I've always had an irrational fear of sitting at a bar and someone coming from behind and stabbing me in the lower back, like in the <gasps> kidney area. And I don't know if I've ever heard this as a story or seen it in a movie at all, but literally I'll be sitting there. I mean, in the before times, obviously, uh, but I'll be sitting there at a bar and I'll, somebody will come up behind me and I just, I've got them in the corner of my eye. I'm just like in, I'm just aware of them, you know, just in case. And you, yeah. it's just that one fear that you have. It's really That's specific. really specific yeah. fear you have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it does make me wonder because, you know, it's like if you've ever heard of past life regression therapy, Mm -hmm. it's where uh, someone would regress you through hypnosis and your brain, either you're remembering a story from a past life or your brain is fabricating a story Mm -hmm. um, to explain that fear. Honestly, the truth is it doesn't matter if it's real or if it's something your brain is fabricating, but the result of having told a story that explains why you have this fear Mm. relieves the tension of that fear. Past life regression therapy is fascinating. This is Um, like a placebo thing. Like it doesn't matter if it's a real, it doesn't really matter, which is why, and you know, this comes back around to what I do when I help people. Right. But through coaching and stuff, it can be really helpful to have people tell a different story. Mm -hmm. Uh, You've probably heard Brene Brown be like, what's the story you're telling yourself? Well, she's getting that from something that's very actually legitimate. It taps into perhaps the placebo effect. Mm -hmm. Um, But the stories we tell ourselves to explain things um, have an element of making it up anyway. So if yeah. it's not a story that's serving you, you might as well tell a better story. Oh, um, story. So, you know, past life regression, I do think taps into that because like, I've known people who um, had like phantom physiological issues who mm-hmm. had past life. And by the way, I don't do past life regression therapy. I'm not a, um, I think it was a trend in the eighties, but, um, <laughs> um, but I know I've known people who had that type of experience where like, they're like, I, you know, Oh, I was in ancient Rome and I was killed in a hay bale. You know, it's like with that, with the, whatever and then that they never have the pain again um really weird you know unnatural paranormal whatever you want to um say to explain it but i wonder if it's simply the power of the brain to tell a story that yeah we do we do like the stories we like pattern matching we've referred a few times to like what are the what are the things that lead us at a guttural level like evolution how does it lead us to the point you know and part of it is is that is trying to like connect things to a pattern and solve those uh, solve those puzzles and but just to reiterate what I said like you can become obsessed over like no 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 we're gonna figure this out we're gonna get the right <laughs> answer or you can just enjoy the freaking mystery of it which is uh, which I'm a I'm a fan of you know in many cases. Well, I have to personally confess that I am disappointed that I've never seen a ghost. Like for years, I believe never experienced either. Like, never, no, yeah, yeah never experienced never exp- like nothing. Okay, nothing. I in fact, I so for years I was convinced because I grew up in a like 
you know, a, a pretty woo town in yeah. Southern Oregon. Um, I was convinced that if anybody was going to experience something supernatural, it was going to be me like out in the world. Mm. I was definitely <laughs> going to witness some things. Right. And, uh, and then the opposite thing started happening where people would complain about supernatural like experiences and then i would be like oh this is my chance you know and i would show up and i was like i'm like the chiller at the poker table like the streak would end (laughs) (laughs) just kill it or the cooler what do they call it the cooler the chiller i sound like my grandpa everyone chill down but (laughs) but yeah i would i would show up and all of a sudden they'd be like oh my god no more ghost problems oh yeah thank you Hmm. You're basically yeah. a Ghostbuster. <laughs> yeah. Just with your, just with your pure being. Just showing up, just being like, "Hey, are there any ghosts?" Oh, and we're out. We're out. Like, oh, never, <laughs> never mind. Have you, have yeah. you, besides this, this photograph, have you experienced right. a, uh, a, a spiritual event? A paranormal. Not really, like in the sense you're describing. You know, I mean, I've got small things that don't even sound that impressive when told after the fact like I remember one time I um led a bunch of people upstairs at Buffalo Billiards which is a haunted you know place and told stories until we got spooked out and then I led a bunch of people downstairs probably nine of us walked up the stairs and nine of us walked back down the stairs and oh uh this connects to something I said earlier my friend Christy the one who's like there's no such thing as ghosts but um (laughs) we're at the base of the stairs having just come up and down and my friend Christy just felt the need to open the door and look back in on the stairs. Uh, and she opened the door and looked and kind of, and like, yelped. And we looked, and there was a full ashtray sitting on the center of the steps of the stairs. And this is a narrow stairway. And like, none of us had seen this ashtray coming or going. You know, nobody kicked it or, or even spotted it. Uh, and there it was a few seconds uh, later, you know? So, yeah, it's a little <laughs> stuff like that. I think the vast majority of hauntings are that, or like little stuff that in isolation you don't think much of. But once you experience 20 uh, things happening in the same place along those lines, you start to scratch your head uh, because literally seeing a ghost, you know, movie style uh, seems to be rare slash maybe you never. Um, the key story was the Thomas Wooten building on 10th near Congress in Austin. And uh, Thomas Wooten had this hospital there and I got to take a private tour. I got the key to the building and I got to go in every Saturday night and take a group into the spooky uh, old building and tell the stories from inside. And this was an active business, and every employee at this business had wild stories about you know the various things that that, that had happened. I told a couple. And, and there was of, like a it was a hospital operating room, right? Yes, it had been a hospital. Like there was the spot where there was the old skylight in the ceiling. Like oh, this was the old operating room, and just every employee present day of that business had weird stories about you know being somebody blowing on their ear or what have you. And so that is such the a flirty ghost. I know. I know. <laughs> the second week maybe it was the third week um uh that i was doing this this little private tour thing i took the group up to the steps and i introduced them to the building and i said now let's go inside and i stuck the key in and uh managed to twist it and just snap it off in the lock with a very satisfying dink like and i was left (laughs) holding the nub of the key and i turned around with total embarrassment like not thinking ghosts at all just thinking oh i just ruined the tour uh, and uh, so I awkwardly did the stories from outside, which, you know, I did my best, but it wasn't nearly as good. 
and we went off and finished the tour elsewhere and I came running back the moment the tour was done hoping I could fish the end of the key out of the lock and found the end of the key not in the lock where I had snapped it off but laying on the center of the door jam like over by a, a foot and just dead center uh, on the door jam and I've if anyone has ever broken a key off in a lock they know by definition that the key should be stuck in there and I couldn't figure out uh, how to how it would have fallen in just such a way uh, so that was wild and uh, a good example of well, in isolation, this might be slightly odd, but with all the other stories I had heard was really odd. And then six weeks after that was my brand new key. I had an instance where the key would not turn in the lock and I was worried I was gonna snap it off the second time. Like it was, it was definitely the right key, it is not budging. And I even had people from the tour try and none of us could get this key to go. So again, I told the stories from outside and I said, I'm sorry, they must've changed the lock. And as we walked off, uh, a lady in the group said, do you want to try it one more time? And I was like, yeah, okay. And I stuck it in and click, it just opened right up, like absolutely effortless. And uh, at which point all the tourists wanted to go into the building. And I was like, guys, <laughs> this is, you, you've seen movies before, right? Like we're all gonna die. <laughs> so I begrudgingly like, okay, we can just, Let's, everyone be cool. <laughs> like, uh, so I took them on a super cautious, <laughs> limited tour of the building. Um, uh, and again, so the, I had two weird occurrences, beginning and end. And then like one more little short thing uh, in the middle, it was like in between the two key incidents was when we were inside the building, uh, I was mid talking about ghosts and this lady interrupted me and said, is the ghost upstairs? And I was like, uh, yeah, we're actually about to go upstairs and hear some stories. Why? And she said, there's something looking at you up there. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> no, no, no. I was like, lady, it is my job to scare you, okay? <laughs> and so, I, was, and so I, I, like, played along. I was like, you see something up there? And she said, I don't see it, but it's right there, and it knows you're talking about it. I'm like, cool, great, awesome, hello. Uh, and I talked to her one more time as we were walking out of the building. I was like, so you really feel like something is here, huh? And she said, yeah, and it's kind of mad. <laughs> I was like, awesome. <laughs> so just there to recap. Conduits, there was, conduits to the spirit world. Yeah. So just to recap, there was all the stories I already knew about the place, like the reason we were there in the first place. Then there was the first key incident. Then there was the you're mad moment, uh, you know, uh, in the middle. And then there was the second key incident where the key wouldn't, have, oh God. So the fact that I unlocked the door successfully and all the tourists wanted to walk in, I was like, guys, you don't understand. <laughs> As we are bringing this conversation to a gentle close, I wonder <laughs> if there are any lessons to be taken from the undead or the non-dead or the ghostly remains of the dead um lessons that we could potentially take to make our lives better i don't yeah. know again this could be a stretch i just wonder the the two things that I, and I, i've said both but number one is the, just the love of the mystery and the you know let the mystery be uh, and um, the the leftovers, the show on HBO, which is just freaking fantastic, uh, is surrounds a, a mystery of why two percent of the world got raptured away, 
and like with no apparent pattern it wasn't the christians it was just like two random percent of the world got raptured away and i remember an interview with the uh the showrunner who said you will never find out why and you know like <laughs> the the point of this show is not to solve the mystery of why these people went away the point of the show is to observe how people respond to the inexplicable and how kind of crazy they can go whenever presented with something that defies their their all their logic uh, and I was like, I'm on board with that. I love that attitude of just like letting it go and just letting the mystery wash over you. Uh, and I'm a big fan. Uh, so that's the first thing. And then the second thing is if you uh, hear a story about somebody who used to live here or, you know, was murdered horribly or, or, or whatever, uh, use that as a lesson to like, oh, I'm not the only one who's been here and I'm not the last person who'll be here either. Like, you know, stretching history uh, forward and backward are all these other people who inhabit these spaces. And I love that. And uh, I'll, I'll always feel connected to it. And the stories help me to do that. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Thank you so much for hanging out with us and, and sharing your thoughts about ghosts and non-ghosts. <laughs> Absolutely my pleasure. Love it. Tis the season. It really is. And yeah. and enjoy your, your upcoming trip to a brand new location with more stories. Yeah, Thank we can't you. wait to hear all the stories that you learn. Save a waffle for us. When travel is Please easy do. to do, we will come and see you in Amsterdam. Please do. I look forward to it. Have fun. Bye. Miss you. Did you know that I used to live in a haunted house? No. Yeah. So, um, we were talking like traditional haunted house, like, no, like a house, a house that supposedly has a ghost that lives in it, that still has a ghost that lives in it. Oh, uh, supposedly. Wait, why supposedly? I never saw a ghost. <laughs> 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 Nothing ever happened. So the house, so when I, uh, finished high school I spent the last semester of high school living with my best friend and another friend in a house that her mom owned and she lives there now with her family supposedly the ghost resides in the hallway between the bathroom and what was my room supposedly he's an angry ghost so theoretically like I was in danger going to the bathroom every night in the middle of the night which I never felt. Yeah. I Wait, mean, your friend still lives there. Yeah. She's, with, with the angry ghost. Yeah. Her, did, her did son's she... room is the room that I lived in. So now her son is in mortal ghostly danger. Well, if he ever gets up. Apparently the deal is as long as you're not going and using the bathroom in the middle of the night, which I definitely did. Um, if you don't do that, then it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I lived in a, I lived in a, still haunted house <laughs> what about you do you have any creepy unnatural um, in uh the early 2000s uh there was a gentleman by the name of christian longo who uh long story short he killed his entire family and dumped them in the bay i moved to the area and was working there and one of my coworkers was like hey, we're big in the theater community here why don't you come audition for this musical and i do and in this same series of events when this Christian did this thing and he to appear normal post 
and pre all this event, he did things around town. And one of them was he came to this audition. And I, I very distinctly remember him. We had him, we inter, we auditioned together. Uh, we did a scene or two together. We sang together. Um, and about a, a few days later, he flees to Mexico is what ends up happening. But about a week or two later, of course, this is saying bigger and bigger news and police show up and they're interviewing us and like, Hey, do you know this guy? And we're like, Oh yeah, I auditioned for that guy. But we, as far as I found out later, he was going to be cast in the show as well. Uh, yeah, by the way, it's, yeah, this killer, he killed his whole family in the audition for a show. See, the creepiest part about this whole story, as disgusting as it was, is the fact that there was nothing about him that was like, oh, this is a weirdo. Like, he seemed perfectly fine and normal and would have been probably a lot of fun to be in a show with. Except for that small detail about literally disposing of his family in a bay. So. Not an ideal castmate no no i mean you don't want to be backstage in the dark with an essence of evil Mm. and not knowing it and who else out there is evil that you don't know okay Uh, no 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 no. (laughs) meanwhile if i go to the bathroom in the middle of the night i feel (laughs) unwelcome in my own house (laughs) well i don't know if ghosts are real (laughs) I don't know if it's all made up. Uh, obviously, I'm never going to be the one to have the experience, so um, that's fine. Um, but I will say I love what Kevin shared about this idea about, like, don't be so skeptical that you miss out on all of the fun. You know, like, be open to a logical, reasonable explanation and be open to there being no explanation at the same time so that you can maximize the amount of enjoyment you can get from these things. I think that's a nice perspective. Finding finding those small connections is really delightful, even if you don't have the answer as to how or why. Yeah. So big thank you to Kevin for sharing all of his stories. If you want to show him a little love, uh, we've got a couple of links for different arts organizations that you can support. And let's take a look at the show notes for the episode. Uh, you'll find them at thechangedpodcast.com. Remember to subscribe and please leave us a review. And if you have ghost stories or unexplained phenomenon that have changed how you think about the afterlife in general, we want to hear them. So please shoot us an email to info at artofchange.com and perhaps we'll be able to share your story uh, with the rest of the listeners of the podcast. Thank you for listening to The Changed Podcast. I'm Aiden Nepom. I'm Eric Nepom. And we wish you the kind of experiences in life you're excited to tell stories about. Thank you, honey. Well, thanks for having me. Am I even here? Mm.